Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you. I don't see myself on here, but I hope you can see me. Okay, good. <laughs> Greg's telling me you can. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you uh, that you did your, that you are the word that, that took on flesh and dwelt among us, that you reveal the Father to us. Reveal yourself, reveal the Father to us now by the power of your Holy Spirit as we come before your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, friends, as I read our passages from today, uh, what it made me think of is that they all sort of uh, revolve around the joy of salvation, the joy of the incarnation, the, the joy of God's saving work in the world. We see this in every passage, but I, I think one of the ways we see it most clearly is the Isaiah passage, which says with the very first line, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My, my soul shall exult in my God. I will rejoice in the salvation that God has brought to the world. And the very last line of that same passage says, God rejoices over you. He rejoices over the salvation that he has bestowed upon us. He rejoices over our transformed lives. It's this beautiful picture of the reciprocal nature of the joy of salvation. We rejoice over God who has rescued us and redeemed us and saved us and set us free. And God rejoices over us who walk in the freedom of the children of God. I think our passages re revolve around that concept of the joy of, of salvation. And one of the things that I love about this John passage that we heard this morning, John chapter 1, is that it reminds us that the salvation that we have received from God is not a work of our own merit. It's not something that we deserve, but it's purely the gift of God's grace. In John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16 goes on and says, from, For from his fullness we have all received Grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John just keeps emphasizing the fact that the salvation that we have in Jesus is not our own doing. In verse 13, he says, it's not by uh, blood, nor by the will of the flesh, nor by the will of man, but of God. It is a pure gift of God's grace. In Ephesians 2, Paul said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. I love the way that the message captures this passage in John chapter 1 and in verses 14 and then 16 and 17. It says this, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's such a, a lovely way to capture the idea of God dwelling among us. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. And then for verse 16 continues and said, we all live off of his generous abundance. Gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses. And then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, this all came through Jesus, the Messiah. I love that line. Gift after gift after gift. This is the salvation that we have in Jesus. Generous abundance, 
exuberant giving and receiving, endless knowing and understanding, gift after gift after gift. And I think that this is particularly important for us uh, to think about during the season of Christmas, as it still is, because salvation is not like the gifts that we give to one another on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, we're giving one another presents that are ours to own and do with as we please. Salvation is not like that. It's not something that we own or control or possess. Salvation is a reality that we are learning to live into. And one of the main ways that we learn to live into the reality that is our salvation in Jesus is by learning to see all things as a gift from God. One of my favorite poets is Scott Cairns, and he has this poem that I love that's called Imperative or Command, something that must be done. And it goes like this. The thing to remember is how tentative all of this really is. You could wake up dead. Or the woman you love could decide you're ugly. Maybe she'll finally give up trying to ignore the way you floss your teeth as you watch television. All I'm saying is that there are no sure things here. I mean, you'll probably wake up alive. And she'll probably keep putting off any actual decision about your looks. Could be she'll be glad your teeth are so clean. The morning might be full of all the love and the kindness that you need. Just don't go thinking you deserve any of it. I love that poem. The imperative that he says is to recognize that all that we have is a gift from God, a gift of God's unmerited grace in our lives. And the fact that you woke up this morning, that's a gift from God. The fact that you have a bed to wake up in, that is a gift from God. That you have air to breathe and functioning lungs to breathe it in, that is a gift from God. The fact that you're loved by anyone at all, despite all of our quirks and our shortcomings, is a gift from God. Everything is a gift from God, not because we deserve it, but simply because God is gracious and merciful and loving, gift after gift after gift. My favorite line of the poem, all that I think it sort of turns on right before the end, is when he says, the morning might be full of all the love and kindness that you need. I think that's an invitation to look for all of the love and the kindness that God has bestowed upon us in this very moment. One of the great dangers in life, I think, is to live by the phrase, if only, if only my house was a little bit bigger, if only I had a few more dollars in the bank, if only I had taken that job or married that person or whatever it is. We could easily do that with this pandemic as well and these new lockdown measures. If only this pandemic didn't exist, if only I could see more people, if only I could do that one activity. I'm not trying to suggest that the pandemic is good or that the lockdown measures are good per se. We can all have our own opinions about that. I'm simply trying to say that there is a danger in spending our lives thinking about the if-onlys. Instead, this poem invites us to think about all that we do have, a home, friends, family, a church, another day to be alive. 
and to recognize that everything that we have, all of it, is a gift from God. It doesn't deny the challenges that we face. It's simply trying to invite us to see that all of the good things that God has given us and to recognize that all of that is a gift of God's unmerited grace. And that's a large part of what I think it means to learn to live into the salvation that God has bestowed upon us, that God has gifted to us. To see all things as a gift from God, to have eyes to see and imaginations to know that all things are a gift from God. To have eyes that are transformed to see them in such a way. And I think that's what Psalm 147 is all about. Seeing the world in a whole new way because of God and the salvation that he has brought us. Psalm 147 begins with this call to praise. Praise God for the salvation that he's brought about for his people. It says, praise the Lord, for it's good to sing praises to God, for it is pleasant, and a song is of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. This is both collective and personal salvation that the Lord offers us, and we're called to praise him for it. And then that experience of salvation uh, then transforms the way that we see the world. It enables us to see everything as a gift from God. It, we, we see God's fingerprint on all things. And so then it starts with God's creation. Verses 4 and 5 say, God determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant is power in, in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The psalm then moves into the intimate ways that God is involved in history. The Lord lifts up the humble and he casts down the wicked to the ground. And then the rest of the psalm basically lists off all the ways that God works on the earth. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes the grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. He strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. Get the sense that the psalmist is just sort of looking around and everything is being transformed. He's seeing everything as a gift from God. Everything has God's fingerprint on it. Clouds, rain, grass, food, animals, birds, walls, gates, children, wheat, snow, frost, ice, water, cold, everything. Everything the psalmist sees is a gift from God. And I think that's one of the invitations for us today as we read these passages. Can we be the kind of people who are learning to see everything as a gift from God? Living that imperative that Scott Karen spoke about. Can our imaginations be so shaped by the glories of God's salvation in our lives, the love of Jesus bestowed upon us, lavished upon us, that everything starts to take on a whole new perspective? And we too, like the psalmist, start to see God's fingerprint on everything. Can we be those kind of people? One of my encouragements to you this week would be to read Psalm 147 again and then go for a walk. 
And ask God to give you eyes to see, like the psalmist does, that all things around you are an expression of his salvation and his love and his grace in your life. And allow that, just like it did the psalmist, to draw you into praise of God, for it's fitting to give praise. Part of how we live out the joy of our salvation is by asking God to give us those eyes to see his generous abundance towards us, which is the language of John 1. Gift after gift after gift. And then our Isaiah passage helps sort of uh, give us a broader vision of God's saving work in the world and in our lives. All the ways or, or a number of the ways it impacts and transforms our lives. The imagery in Isaiah is so rich. I don't have time to go through it all, but I just want to sort of paint in broad brush strokes today and help us see the transformative breadth of God's saving work in our lives. It begins with this image of clothing and covering. Verse 10 says, For God has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. These are symbols of protection and provision of God's care, of his love, of his provision, of his sheltering of us. Salvation is not just about going to heaven when we die, but about the shelter and the protection and the provision that God offers us here and now. That we can rest in the shadow of the Most High under the shelter of his wings. That he's our refuge and our strong tower in this life and in the life to come. There are images of of marriage and beauty in this passage. Verse 10 says, As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, these are symbols of relationship and unity, of being bound to one another, bound to God and he to us. They're also symbols of being accepted by God and welcomed by God and being seen as beautiful and worthy by God. Have you ever felt excluded? unseen, unworthy, made to feel ugly or cast aside. God's salvation is a healing balm over all of that as he receives you as his bride. And he proclaims for all the world to hear that you are beautiful, that you're loved, that you're cherished, that you're adored. There are images of abundance and fruitfulness. Verse 11 says, as the earth springs forth its sprouts, or brings forth its sprouts, as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout out before all the nations. Righteousness grows from our salvation. Justice springs forth as part of God's saving work in our lives. Abundance, not scarcity. Generosity, not greed. The ability to move forward in love, not fear. Do justice love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. This is all part of the gift of God's salvation in our lives. God's salvation also means that we are no longer forsaken or desolate. Isaiah 62, 4, you shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate. We're no longer alone or isolated. We've been brought into the family of God. We've been made children of God, as John 1 says. We belong to one another. We're bound together in Christ. We're not isolated and alone. An important reminder during a time like this when we might be feeling isolated and overwhelmed by these lockdown measures. 
that are bound to one another in Christ. Finally, receiving the joy of salvation, God's gift of salvation, means that we uh, experience God's joy and God's delight. Verses 4 and 5 say, You shall be called, My delight is in her and your land married. The Lord delights in you. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Do you ever take time to think about that? That God rejoices over you. That he delights in you. What does that mean to you? How does that shape your life? Do you actually believe it? That God loves you. He rejoices over you. He delights in you. Do you actually believe that? Isaiah 61 and 62 remind us of the breadth of God's saving work in our lives, that his salvation means protection, safety, acceptance, beauty, unity, abundance, fruitfulness, a home, a family, being God's delight and God's joy. Psalm 147 invites us to step into the salvation that God offers to us with new eyes to see the world as an expression of his love and his grace to us. And John chapter 1 reminds us that all of this is a gift from God, gift after gift after gift. So how might you contemplate these things this week? How might you contemplate the breadth of, of Jesus' salvation in your life this week? What aspect of God's saving work in your life are you longing to experience more? Is it safety, a sense of security, a sense of acceptance, knowing how beautiful you are, how loved you are, God's abundant provision over you, a sense of home and belonging, God's joy and his delight over you. How might you learn to have eyes like the psalmist and see all things as a gift from God? And how might we commit ourselves to remembering that as John said, we all live off of God's generous abundance. A beautiful thing to think about. We all live off of God's generous abundance. That's the sustaining force in our lives. Gift after gift after gift. May we meditate on that this Christmas season. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.